Um, guys. Yeah. I did it again. What'd you do? And I know. You do I know. I promised. I know. I promised. I promised we weren't going to do this. So this is the last you time. Get another pet? No, no, no. What politician are we going to be crucifying today? <laughs> We're going to get political. We're going to oh. do it. And hey, listen. I swear, this is the last time. Oh my god. Um, so Gina Carano did a bad thing. God. She did a bad no, thing, and she I got called up to Walt's office. Her. She got called up to Walt's office, and he was like, "Listen, Gina. Gina, I love you, girl, but you can't be saying that stuff here." But we're gonna we're gonna leave we're gonna leave politics out of it because Disney needs our help. I think it's up to us to figure out how to write Cara Dune out of the next season of The Mandalorian. <laughs> Me personally, I think I think she's the one who left Ryan Johnson's script for Rise of Skywalker in that burning tree from Last Jedi. <laughs> the sacred text. Uh, she, because you know, at the end of The Mandalorian, um, he gets the dark saber. And uh, I almost called that girl or the the other Mandalorian from the Clone Wars. I almost called her Babu Frick, even though I know that's not her name. So obviously, <laughs> it's like Frick. they're gonna Babu Frick, uh, Babu Frick, uh, the sexiest character from uh, Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> My man's was oozing sex appeal. Um, so uh, Bo-Katan and Mando are going to eventually have to fight for the dark saber, but. An unknowing participant comes in, and it's uh, Cara Dune, but because she is so vastly outnumbered, not by numbers themselves, but by just sheer uh, importance to the story, um, <laughs> is swiftly cut in half by the Darksaber. <laughs> so your solution to this is just to make the uh, Mandalorian a mature rated TV show. Yeah, I think that's what it's been missing uh, for the past mm, couple of years is yeah. a good old fashioned uh, vivisection. <laughs> That's right. You know, I was just thinking to myself the other day, you know, what would have made season two so much better blood. Lots of it. <laughs> blood. I think uh, the, the first scene is going to be like, they're all talking on the ship and then we see like a Dr. Strange portal open up and he's like, this is how we're connecting the world. And he just grabs her and like pulls just her in. Grabs Cara Dune and, and pulls her in. Yeah, he uses like some like unknown magic to just like implode her. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're flying away on the X-Wing or whatever, and they get a call from Ben Shapiro's podcast. And she's like, gotta go. Hi- Hypothetically, if I were to exist in the MCU, I would be the most punchable character in the entire franchise. <laughs> I would be uh, the most loved, buff, tall, uh, manliest character in the entire MCU. Jimmy Woo? Yes. <laughs> yes. Jimmy Woo. <laughs> I love how we as a culture have been like, yeah, yeah, WandaVision's great and all, but give us more Windy, windy Jew. <laughs> not Windy, not Windy Woo Homecoming Warrior. <laughs> We're about to bring Aquafina into the MCU. Why not bring Brenda Song? I was tracking with the new Spider-Man movie until Wendy Wu showed up. That was a bit reaching Wait, for my taste. I'm just imagining the phone call that Brenda Song gets. I'm like, hey, do you want to be in a Marvel movie? <laughs> yeah, playing who? Wendy Wu. Wendy <laughs> Could, oh, you, could you imagine at the end at the end of Endgame, the the turrets start shooting into the clouds, and uh, you hear a crack of lightning, <laughs> and a bolt of thunder shoots through the clouds in a fantasy ship. Who is it? It's Wendy Wu, homecoming warrior, ready to drop kick Thanos's purple chin. <laughs> oh, guys, can we just make this a movie? Let's forget the podcast and just talk about this for a little while. So. Uh, despite popular belief, this is not a Wendy Wu fan cast. This is a podcast for movie lovers <laughs> where we watch the first and last scenes of a movie and then we try and make up what happens in between. And my name's Brady. What's up? I'm Brady. And my the class bully. Give me your money. And my name's Derek. I'm a nerd, but I'm eventually going to take off my glasses. And I'm going to be hot. <laughs> I'm Colton. And you have felt the highs and lows of marching band. You don't know what Shut it's up, like. Shut up, Riverdale. <laughs> How are y'all doing? My name's Tyler. Just just rolled in. And today, we're in part four of this extremely long, tumultuous journey <laughs> through the Twilight Saga. When I made this suggestion, <laughs> I think I truly underestimated like 
the mental fortitude it was going to take to keep going with all of this. But you know what, boys? <laughs> this is it. This is the heart of the forest. We're here. We just got to push through. I will say, out of all the ones to like start out on, I think this is a good one for us to start out on because how bad can it get? Like it can. Like this is bad. The other yeah. series we could do couldn't be like this bad. You know, like yeah, right. Uh, you know what keeps me going every single episode is the fact that one day I'm never gonna have to say the word where dear again. <laughs> well, not until like episode 100. <laughs> that's right. Wait, because I think I think we've already kind of established that episode 100 is going to be our like our end game. Oh, that's right. All our characters are coming back to yeah. yeah. I don't know what movie we're going to put them in, but like <laughs> <laughs> by that point it'll be like Spider-Man 6 farther from home, <laughs> even farther. <laughs> Farthest from home. <laughs> um Derek, I every episode I I give it my best. I trip and fall every time. Why don't you go ahead and explain <laughs> how we got to the point where we are right now? Oh, God. At every week, it's like... This is uh, me physically taking the burden off of my shoulders and guiltlessly placing it onto yours. Every week, it's like having to watch a baby seal get clubbed verbally. It's just <laughs> like, this is doing harm to me, but I will do my best. <laughs> so, Bella Swan is a were-deer. What that means, she can turn into a deer, and she has deer powers. What those are, eh, jury's still out. <laughs> so uh, she gained this power from her grandmother, who uh, they've spent their entire lives, the were-deer, being hunted down by a group of hunters being led by, as we come to find out, this woman named Alice, who is related to Bella's love interest, Edward Cullen, who is a former hunter and also a vampire. Uh, essentially, what the hunters are trying to do is they're trying to capture the were-deer, extract its essence, so that whatever uh, mythical creature gets the essence of the were-deer, their entire lineage can live on forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> so, that's pretty much it. There's some other things that happened that you're just going to have to go back and listen to. I've run out of, of, the, of, like, of steam. <laughs> My heart hurts. This, this description is um akin to crying <laughs> it's taxing i'm weary boys I, i'm tired my mind is my mind is weary <laughs> but that's pretty much it welcome uh welcome to our welcome to our podcast welcome to the story that is the twilight saga welcome to this hellscape we've created uh come join us in the flames a hellscape of the mind if you will <laughs> <laughs> we have built this hellscape of the mind brick by awful brick with our own two hands, and we will be rightfully judged for it. We gained the whole world, but did we lose our souls? <laughs> there will be a cost to pay, and there will be blood that has to be shed. <laughs> so the way this podcast works is we are not legally allowed to play movie audio. So what we've done is converted everything into screenplay format Colton will be reading for us today, and Derek and I will be playing a couple different characters as per usual. Let's get this. Let's get the pain train rolling. Mm. It's like the train. It's like the train to the bad place. <laughs> <laughs> Colton, take it away. We tilt down over a small cottage as light rain rolls down the edges of the roof. Childhood is not from birth to a certain age. And at a certain age, the child is grown and puts away childish things. Childhood is the kingdom where nobody dies. <laughs> Jacob storms out of the open door of the cottage and tosses a small letter into a nearby puddle. A man in a wheelchair chases him out the door. Jake! Jacob! Jacob throws off his shirt and transforms into an enormous wolf kicking up mud as he sprints into the forest. Hot. <laughs> we cut to the same letter, now in the hands of Bella's father. It's a wedding invitation that reads, Isabella Marie Swan and Edward Anthony Mason Cullen. That's not going to fit on a driver's license. <laughs> we cut again to see Bella's mother, smiling as she reads her own invitation. Phil, it's happening. Deep in the forest, a wedding venue is under construction. Alice watches Bella as she stumbles in a tight pair of white shoes. Um, you'll just have to break them in. I've been breaking them in for three days. Can I just go barefoot? Uh, no, absolutely not. 
I just think it's a little much, you know? The, the dress, the shoes, all of this. She motions out to the venue, where a small group helps set the white flowers of wooden benches. It's exactly enough. Tomorrow will be perfect. A venue worker walks by, carrying an enormous tree trunk. Where do you want them, boss? Uh, over by the aisle. Another woman steps into frame, dragging a bench. What aisle? Does no one have vision? Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> Who's got him? Where is he? <laughs> Bella smiles at a chaotic scene. Her gaze turns upward, where Edward looks out over the venue. He looks distant. Before Bella has time to think, Alice steps into frame. You, go home and get lots of beauty sleep. That's an order. Okay. Bella takes a deep breath and gives Alice a hug. As she turns to head inside, Alice looks out at the busy venue, smiling. Is Edward just in the trees? Like, no. <laughs> I think that's funny, just because it does not specify where he is looking out over the venue. <laughs> He's just hanging upside down like a bat. <laughs> uh, I think of all Bella's slam poetry, that one might be the worst. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty bad. What is this, like, Castle in the Cloud from Les Mis poem that she's doing? Like, as far as elevated poetry, this one never left the ground floor. <laughs> she's getting ready for the tax test, and she's, like, trying to read it. She's, like, she's like rough drafting the prompt. Child, is the kingdom where nobody dies. Also, Edward smiled at me today. <laughs> in this essay, I will. Um, I, I, don't, I don't say this um, out of jest. This is actually a very serious thing I'm saying. Uh, I want to thank the writers of the screenwriters of Twilight Breaking Dawn Part One uh, for giving us this gift. Yeah, oh, honestly, thank you so much. If we had not made Alice the big bad of this story, and that she is like secretly trying to overthrow Bella and or like you know ambush Bella and Edward, this scene would have been so hard to try to make something out of. And yet here we are with this glorious gift. It's like second Christmas. Yeah, because yeah. we don't we don't look at the scenes like of the later movies before. So like mm-hmm. when we read this, it's literally like, oh, this is just tied up in a nice little bow for us. Like beautiful. Like, we we already had Christmas at mom's house. Now we're getting Christmas at dad's house, and he always gets the good candy. <laughs> Thank you, Stephanie. That's exactly what I asked for. So just to clarify, Alice is the big bad. She is planning on gathering all magical creatures at this wedding that she's concocted for Bella and Edward so that she can spring her trap and get them all at once. Right. Which makes complete sense because here she is setting up the wedding. And obviously, I think the tree trunk is the altar upon which she will be sacrificed. She will be sacrificed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in the first scene because Jacob gets the invite and takes off running. I'm almost curious if he... Maybe at some point in the last movie, figures out who Alice is. You know, it's kind of like one of those. Yeah. Hank finds out who Walter White is for the first time moments. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? He's sitting on the toilet, suddenly starts <laughs> to connect the dots. Well, well, he he Jacob goes out in the yard. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. He, he's not. He, yeah. Jacob's not house trained. He was squatting by some toadstools in the rain <laughs> when all of a sudden things started to click for him. So I'm almost curious if he like throws down the invitation and takes off as fast as he can towards the venue to warn them. So you think that this is more, this movie is more Jacob centric, you know, Jacob deserves his moment in the spotlight. Yeah. Yeah. He's not just a slab of meat that we look at. He's not just an Abercrombie model. He's an Abercrombie model with feelings. With feelings. <laughs> and I think Edward is almost like on the fence about this whole thing, which is why he looks so distant is like, he's just got this gut feeling that like something's not right. Meanwhile, Jacob has to go get help. He has to find someone who's powerful enough mm-hmm. to defeat Alice. And yeah. you know who I think that is? Who? It's the patron saint of woodland creatures. It's Steve Irwin. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Brady, what have you done? I thought you were going to say vegan teacher. <gasps> <laughs> Not vegan teacher. So you have, you're bringing Steve Irwin into this. Well, so here's the problem, though. At this point, Steve is no longer with us. Right. Maybe it could almost be like a um, uh, Batman versus Superman scenario where he's got to travel to Steve Irwin's massive stone grave. God. And re-resurrect our Lord and Savior, Steve Irwin, to fight once more. (laughs) 
I think it's I think it's just resurrect. Like he's not like Steve Irwin has not already been brought back to life and killed again. <laughs> well, he, people won't stop resurrecting Steve. He keeps coming back and be like, "Stop it! This is the last Bindi time." Bindi is begging us to let him rest. <laughs> Bindi says, "Leave him there, please." The Stingray community is up in arms. If if Steve Irwin's in this, then he's not a hunter. He's like the opposite of a hunter. Like he's like a gatherer. <laughs> a hunter. He's a gatherer, a gatherer of life and happiness. Yeah. So what if we find out in a flashback scene that once every hundred years, somebody like Alice is going to appear and spread darkness over the world. And right. Steve, in his great wisdom, seeing this coming, bestows his power on Bella's grandmother. Okay. Now hold on just one second, Brady. I'm I know. Now you have now postured the idea that Steve Irwin, may he may God rest his soul, has the ability to create mythical creatures. And we also know his one weakness, which is stingray barbs. And this Ooh. universe is like very hard to get a hold of. They do live in the middle of like the Washington forest. There's not exactly <laughs> stingrays lying around. Right. Well, I mean, she can go to the aquarium. Right. What? Oh, my God. Why Why did this not dawn on me soon? I forgot that in this universe, Steve Irwin is also dead. Because <laughs> there's no actor that can properly pr- play Steve Irwin. Um, <laughs> no one can do him justice. What if Jacob is finding out a way to, like, try to become the, like, th- what Steve Irwin was, which I'm assuming is, like, the nexus of mythical creatures. The Alice mm. of, like, good mythical creatures. So Alice right. is trying to become the same thing, but for evil. Right. So, <laughs> oh, I'm <laughs> I'm actually 1,000% sold on this. So Alice and Steve Irwin are two, like, celestial beings that have existed, bef- like, since the beginning <laughs> of time. here it is oh god sink your teeth into this fatty slab boys (laughs) (laughs) so they were they were they they were two celestial beings that have existed before like since before the dawn of time and they created together the first like mythical creatures yes they used part of themselves to create yes right there's a little bit of where deer in all of us, but right. especially in Steve Irwin. Right. So Alice gets a little like power hungry and tries to like get all of the like all of the power. She doesn't want to share it with Steve Irwin anymore. <laughs> and so she tries to like take the power from him and he's like, "Well, no. I'm just going to send this power elsewhere." And thus he creates the were deer, which holds oh. all of this, like all of this, like latent ability, right? That Steve Irwin has, and so now Jacob is like on the hunt for this same power. Mm. He's trying to figure out, like, how can how can we harness this energy in order to defeat Alice? Yeah, Steve. Steve well, Steve Irwin sends half of his energy to create the were deer. Right, keeps the other half for himself. Dies with that energy due to the stingray. And but like before he dies, sends his energy out into the ether to be found by someone who's deemed worthy. Right. Of control. I was I was gonna say that Bella Bella turned into the Weirdier for the first time the day that Steve Irwin died. Oh, that's right. Bye bye, Miss American Pie. <laughs> Bella turned into the Weirdier the day Steve Irwin died. <laughs> I'm so on board. I think there's only one way we can figure out where this goes from here, and that's to read the next scene. Let's do it, boys. A woman in a black dress walks anxiously down a dim stone corridor. The hallway opens up into a small medieval throne room where three men sit on jet black thrones. The woman hands the leader, Aro, a small paper note. Ah, it's from Carlisle. He glares at the woman. Which is spelled with an S, sweet Bianca. He motions with his finger, and two guards appear by her side. He glances at the other leaders, Caius and Marcus. He's added a new member to his coven. Ah, increasing his power. 
Aro makes another motion, and the guards drag Bianca away, kicking and screaming. First it's the spelling, then the grammar. Seems like our dispute with the Cullens is over. Over? (laughs) Goodness, no. Our dispute goes far beyond the fate of a mere human. And what might it be? Why, brother, I thought you understood. They have something I want. End the scene, Colton. (laughs) Oh, cut to black. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. I didn't know we were... (laughs) I love it when they just throw three completely new characters at us who have never been mentioned once in the entire franchise. <laughs> love it. I think we can. I think we can easily say they're produ- they're protecting the essence of Steve Irwin, <laughs> the, the guardians of his <laughs> oh, tomb. Yes. Okay. So, yes, they are protecting the other half of Steve Irwin's essence, right? Or like his power, and the the Cullens have got Bella, the were-deer, the other half of Steve Irwin's essence. They're a completely new group. Oh, what if yeah, they... they're new players. What if they want to... Res- like, so, since they're the guardians of half of Steve Irwin's power, and at the end of the scene he says, they have something I want, he's talking about Bella. He's saying, if we can reunite Steve yeah. Irwin's soul with his body... He will reign right. once more. Well, okay, but it kind of feels like they're the bad guys as well, though. Very much. So. I, I don't. What? Let's let's establish their motivation. What do these guys want? Are they just protectors? Are they like the old man from <laughs> the third Indiana Jones movie? I think. What if they have already stolen his power? What if they have oh. already taken it? Oh, so you think Jacob gets to the tomb and then is like f- figures out that it's been <laughs> grave robbed, more or less. And that his power has been drained. Here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. Jacob gets to Steve Irwin's tomb, finds Arrow, Caius, and Marcus at the tomb, fights with them, uh. gets his werewolf powers taken away. Oh. Uh, not gets his werewolf powers taken away, because if I remember anything from Breaking Dawn Part 2, is that he turns into a werewolf quite a bit. Hey, you know what? Um, <laughs> we, we gracious podcast host giveth and taketh away. We can, we can, we'll, we'll cross that bridge next week. Um, so he gets his werewolf powers taken away, finds out that Arrow, Caius, and Marcus have already taken his power, and I guess, like, the, the correct word would be, like, perverted it and, like, made yeah. it into, like, something evil that can, like, take the, like, take powers away from people. Mm. And so they're basically going to cleanse the, like, they're going to cleanse the entire world of mythical creatures, because they're, like... I think I've got it. So, okay. Alice used to work for these three. Yeah. Ah. So Alice used to work for these three, but whenever her dad, whenever Alice's dad died, then she thought, this is my chance to take over. Oh, so you think the big three used to be the big four, but seeing as how these three treat women to begin with, (laughs) this probably wasn't the most healthy and work environment. So these, these three guardians are... Some sort of like evil power that's been around since the beginning of time. I like this thread where Alice split from them, and now there's com- <laughs> now that we know that Steve Irwin's essence is essentially the creator, the giver, and taker away of all things. What a sentence we've said so many times. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna get a we're gonna get a cease and desist letter from Bindi, and we're gonna be like, yeah, <laughs> please stop. <laughs> The the Irwin family is going to send us a not even a cease and desist. They're just going to DMCA our podcast. <laughs> um, so we keep calling it Steve Irwin and Alice, the two opposing forces of like the mythical creature verse. Obviously, they were not always known as Steve Irwin and Alice. Right, I was thinking about what, this too. that was just like that was just like the form that they took whenever they whenever they crashed onto Earth, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> like Bumblebee at the beginning of Transformers. Yeah. <laughs> so, what if... What if... <laughs> Alice... So, you know how Steve Irwin split his power into two? What if Alice sp- split her power into three? Oh. And, cre- and created these three. What if these three are her, like, horcruxes, almost? So, she splits her power into three. I, li- I like that, but she, like, she splits her power into three creates these three you know gentlemen 
and um, <laughs> dies or like her her corporeal form like disappears. They they like find this this mortal or this human and they they use like their powers to bring Alice back essentially. She and they try to say like hey, we brought you back so now you work for us and she's like uh no, you forget where you come from. <laughs> this poor woman worked retail before she got involved in this mess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they just grabbed her from the nearest Macy's department store and <laughs> yeah. drug her into the forest to, to be a host for Alice. <laughs> and this ho- and this host goes rogue. Maybe um so maybe Alice and Steve at the beginning like they have all their power intact. And whenever Alice decides that she wants to, like, fight him over his power, they, like, have a big battle where they both are so injured that they have to split up their power into two with Steve Irwin dying and him sending it to the were-deer and somewhere else. And then Alice having to split her power into three, the three guardians. And so we figure out that these three guardians have now resurrected Alice Alice is now on the hunt to gain all Steve Irwin, to draw out Steve Irwin's power from all the woodland creatures at this wedding (laughs) and take over. Yeah, she's trying to do that while the other three are trying to gather Steve Irwin's power and Alice's power. Because once they combine all of it together, they essentially have the power to rewrite reality. (laughs) Jacob battles these three and obviously ends up losing. Um, and they almost strike a deal with him because they're like, well, hey, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And so they tell Jacob, if you can lure Alice here, we'll take care of the rest. You just have to draw her. Yeah. You just have to draw her near. <laughs> if you pass my riddles three, Steve Irwin's <laughs> essence, you shall see. <laughs> <laughs> And Jacob, obviously being a, sh- a few fries short of a Happy Meal, clearly can't. <laughs> he, he just takes his shirt off, like, immediately. <laughs> I got this. This usually solves my problems. This usually <laughs> solves all my issues. He takes his shirt off, and he's not able to turn into a werewolf anymore. He's like, what the heck, bro? What the heck, bro? bro what, what's up? <laughs> so I think, I think here's where we land. Uh, Jacob is stuck trying to solve the riddles of these three crazy people. Uh, the three guardians of Steve Irwin's tomb, they defeat him in battle and, and they're about to like suck the life out of uh, Jacob and take it for themselves. Then who steps in? Edward. Edward comes to his rescue. I hmm. I see your Edward and I raise you oh. Bella's grandmother. I like I like Bella's I grandmother that. for it. Yeah, because she's like been this like unnamed or unseen character like this whole time. And she remembers that Jacob tried to help her uh, at the Bass Pro Shop Pyramid. And um, it, it makes me laugh every time. She remembers that yeah, she that he did her an act of kindness. And now she's like, listen, we have to save. We have to save the multiverse. <laughs> We've got to get back to the wedding and stop it. And so we cut to the wedding <laughs> and Bella and Edward are like walking down the aisle towards this very obvious wooden altar. Alice is the officiant and it's like, and now, Bella, you shall lay down here on the table to take your vows. And she's like, wait, hold on. What? What's this about? She's like, no, no, no. Just trust this me. This is a right Cullen here. tradition. This is a Cullen tradition. Just lay down right here. I think we need to just pump the brakes just a little bit because if I remember correctly, part one does start with the wedding. Oh, does it? Oh, wait. No, no, no. Okay. No, part two starts out with uh, Bella becoming a vampire. Uh, her and Edward go, like essentially go on their honeymoon, and they're... The do um, it. A lot. They do it a lot. <laughs> and there's actually an entire uh, description in the book about how Edward can get an erection. Oh, no. And it's... Be- <laughs> Which so, will be up on our Patreon of me reading it. No. Don't uh, put that in. I mean, I'll just, I mean I'm just going to tell I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you straight up right now. I'm so sorry for... Keep this. Keep this in the podcast. This is important information to figure out. They go to... Um, they go to Mexico for their honeymoon. And... They are about to consummate their marriage. Bella asks Edward, because essentially because you're dead and there's no blood flowing through your body, how are you able to get an erection? 
his answer is that he's going to go into the warm beach water no. and warm up his body, his cold, dead body enough <laughs> to get blood flowing to his... Now um, I love this image of him warming up in the ocean and then having like 30 seconds to sprint back to the beach house and <laughs> nosedive. <laughs> he's like, like go, baby, go, we gotta go, 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 baby, we gotta go, 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 go. Oh man, he's like, also, he's like knees to chest, sprinting <laughs> across the beach, back to his bed. That's why the, that's why the bed breaks because he kamikazed himself. <laughs> <laughs> he he like dives and like he says, "Ooh, I'm about to dive in." <laughs> this is like I can just imagine myself reading this like. I feel like I would just look up and be like, Stephanie, no one asked. Like, you could have just said. <laughs> no, like, the amount of times. So, okay, we finished the movie at this point. Uh, <laughs> tune in next week. Um, the amount of times in Breaking Dawn, <laughs> Stephanie Meyer devotes to talking about vampire sex is like <laughs> Just insane. unfathomable. I want you to know, I think Stephanie Myers wrote the first four books just so she could get to Edward breaking the bed. <laughs> Stephanie Meyer, 13, like I am 12 years old re- <laughs> reading about vampire sex and how rough it is. It also <laughs> sounds like, it also sounds like Stephanie Myers is writing this from like never like not knowing what sex is. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like nobody told Stephanie how it works. She thinks it's, re- she thinks it's wrestling. This is my MMA fanfic. <laughs> okay, so so I think this is a good place to go ahead and <laughs> wrap this movie up. Dear Lord. <laughs> Do um, not cut a single second of this. <laughs> I think let's end on this scene. Bella's grandmother rescues Jacob, and then she's like, We gotta get to the get to the venue! Get to the get venue. To the venue. <laughs> we figure out that uh the the ceremony's going down and it's not gonna be pretty. Right. It's not gonna be pretty. Right. Cut to black, the end. I'm done. I'm done talking about Twilight. Me no too. More. <laughs> Until next week. Oh man. Well, if you'd <laughs> usually I'd say, let us know if you'd rather see the plot of this movie or the actual Twilight. But in this case, I don't know which one's worse. Uh I'm gonna say that this that they're both equally as bad. But I would probably watch ours because I think we have turned this into like some sort of like Studio Ghibli Princess Mononoke. Like, <laughs> uh, it's like it's animation, but it's like kind of mature, not I mean, like mature in the sense of like yeah. vampire sex mature. But. I mean, if nothing else, just to see Steve's beautiful face again, that'd be nice. Yeah, yeah, that'd be, wonder- <laughs> that'd be a nice thing for me. Uh, into the next segment. I don't even care anymore. Just get me to the next segment. Colton, what is it? Just tell us <laughs> Help. what it is. Please. It, it's shaking up, sir. Yeah, so this is Shaking Not Stirred. Um, this is the part of the show where we'll take a uh, popular movie and we pair it up with a random uh, movie genre to make something new, make a whole movie entirely. Uh, so you get things like Toy Story as a war movie um, or the tragically lost Shutter Island as an anime. Um, <laughs> Rip. I will miss an, that. Sorry. I will miss that forever. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so the first movie is... Lord of the Rings. Oh, which one? Okay, Fellowship. Um, we can pick which one based on the movie genre. I don't know. That's my little treat to y'all. Oh, the famous podcaster's choice. Oh, okay. My God, Lord of the Rings is a sports movie. <laughs> okay, yes. <laughs> the un- the unofficial Tom Brady biopic. <laughs> Fantasy Olympics. Fantasy Olympics. Well, oh, Fantasy I love Olympics, this. and whoever wins shall be crowned the Lord of the Rings, the Five Rings. Yes. Here's what's happening. Yes is there's a young up-and-coming athlete named Frodo, and he's excited about his chance to finally compete in the big Olympics this year being held in Mordor, of all places. Little do they know that there's a shadowy force that wants to take the power of the Lord of the Rings for himself. That shadowy force? Anabolic steroids. (laughs) (laughs) So what if it's like they're, they're battling, like, the Urukai, which are orcs on steroids, 
and like they're having to like beat them in <laughs> which they're having to like beat them in the games and they can't do it so they have to like band together like it was just like the hobbits and halflings oh, and yeah. elves and going so against them but now they're they- like they, they all they band to band. together. Yeah, yeah, because it's not necessarily one person competing. It can be like as a team, and so they're competing against yeah, the these rules. Don't say up, it can't be. Yeah, they're competing against these juiced up orcs. <laughs> they have to band together. They have to band together and like beg the Olympics to do a a, a doping test on the orc on the <laughs> orc guy. <laughs> And we cut to the locker room, and uh, Christopher Lee's in there, like, giving them roids. <laughs> you will take these roids, and you will not pee in the cups. We shall rule the Olympics forever. That's my best. The the steroids and the tomato, we just have to watch that, like, tomato, like, popping scene yeah. over and over. <laughs> Looks like roids back on the menu, boys. <laughs> There's a there's a discus toss scene and one of the one of the toys is throw me throw me <laughs> Gandalf whenever he goes to throw his he says fly you fool <laughs> What's another one What's another fun Lord of the Rings line I'm trying to think of a, a joke for take they're taking the hobbits to Isengard <laughs> And uh it's a real hard struggle and one by one uh the members of the fellowship begin to fall out of weariness and Sam Selflessly carries Frodo to the finish line. They win the big game, uh, split the prize money, and Frodo buys back the family farm. <laughs> oh! All right, Colton, let's get another one. All right, all right. Uh, Groundhog Day. Did we do that one yet? I don't think so. Okay. Well, we got Groundhog Day. This might be the first time we've uh, ever uh, crossed the streams. Nothing new under the sun as a Western. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh. It's an outlaw who is uh, holding a bank heist, and he has to do it every day until he gets it right. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh! Wait, that's kind of cool, actually. So, like, he's been he's been cursed by the spirit uh, of the West, and he what can't was our escape other movie? this manifest destiny. What, what was our other Western movie? Yeah, oh, it was Zombieland. We did Zombieland, no, Zombieland. as a Western right. movie where he was this crazy witch. In this cave. Oh, I forgot about that. Did yeah, we yeah. really? Yeah, like yep. dead that serious. Was like, that was forever ago. Wow, we're really crossing the streams on this one. Oh my god. Oh I like this god. though. Bill Murray is cursed by the spirit of the West who says, You shall not escape this day until you can rob a bank right. And so he's gotta <laughs> he's gotta relive this day over and over again until he can like pull off every single aspect of this heist. And of course, zany antics ensue. Right. And he actually, the end is just him taking out a withdrawal slip and he just like <laughs> makes, opens an account. The solution was just to to play fair and discover that the real treasure was inside you all along. <laughs> the real treasure is friendship. He, the real, the real way was to buy GameStop stock and ah, then you'll just rob yeah. them blind. Uh, okay. Y'all want one more? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a wonderful life. I think we've done that one. Nope. Okay, yeah, we'll do It's a Wonderful Life then as... I think, we, I think we have done it before. As a documentary. Here's my theory. We kind of go in the direction of like a This Is Spinal... Or like, is it like This Is Spinal Tap or We Are Spinal Tap? It's a mockumentary of everyone in, this, in It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> like ganging up together to gaslight the main character of This is a Wonderful <laughs> Life into, like, being a better person. Oh. Like a Lion King one and a half scenario where... Yes. Yeah, <laughs> you, get, you get, like, a behind... You get, like, a behind the scenes of, oh like, my how gosh. this process was made. You said Lion King one and a half. Literally, like, I'll be sitting in my room doing nothing, innocent as can be, and... Dig a tunnel, dig, dig a tunnel. <laughs> dig a tunnel, dig, 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 dig a tunnel. <laughs> dig a tunnel, dig, dig a tunnel. Great, oh, great man. movie. Oh, fantastic. Like, Lion King one and a half does not get the recognition it deserves, and I'm a little tired of it. <laughs> What's on the menu? Um, <laughs> did you guys know that It's a Wonderful Life has some like pretty heavy like Mormonism imagery? 
Really? Wait, really? Yeah, so at the beginning, there's like the two planets talking to each other. Wait, what? Yeah. Have I just never seen This is a Wonderful Life? No, no, no. Hey, we're talking about It's a Wonderful Life, not Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. <laughs> that movie, that movie was good for 10 minutes, and then it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> the director wrote that movie over the course of a year and then on the due date found out it was due and had to crank out the rest of it. I'm I'm all but convinced. He was that kid who spent like three-fourths of the essay time perfecting the first paragraph <laughs> and then had three minutes to write the rest of the script. He, oh, he, is, he is the the SpongeBob scene where he just like writes out a flourish of the and then he has <laughs> the, literally though. Oh man. Oh my gosh. All right. I think that was good. Good enough. <laughs> yeah. Good enough. I think we I think we banged out three good ones in a record time, really. In record time. Uh, <laughs> just like Edward Cullen, we banged out. <laughs> <laughs> we jumped in the ocean of uh, Puerto Vallarta, and we got all warmed up and ready to go. And just, <laughs> we broke the bed frame of comedy. <laughs> It's the sea of love, baby. So now we are moving on to real talk where we give you some quick recommendations about things that you should be watching uh, while you're doing whatever it is you've, you've been doing. Probably working, <laughs> trying to survive. <laughs> we're entering back into March. Uh, we're, we're the going, Ides of March. We're we're, go, we're coming up on one year of Miss Rona wreaking havoc <laughs> in, in the U.S. So I've actually been meaning to give this suggestion for a while, and I just keep forgetting. Uh, I'm going to suggest the movie Promising Young Woman. Hmm. So, content warning for uh, uh, mentions of rape and sexual assault and suicide. This is a this is a movie about a a young woman who uh played by Carrie Mulligan. Is it Carrie Mulligan? Uh yes. Yeah. I'm looking at the cast right uh, played, now. I did I had no idea Bo Burnham was in this movie. Oh yeah. He is his character is just the best, but also the worst. Right. Like um uh this young woman, her uh her friend from med- her best friend who she went to medical school with. Uh, you come to find out was uh, was raped at a party and uh, took her own life. And uh, her, her friend, played by Carrie Mulligan, has taken it very hard. And she has been trying to receive justice for her friend who has kind of gotten the, the shaft from society, essentially. Um, and so she decides to take matters into her own hand and tries to exact that justice uh, on her own. And she's tired of waiting for... Uh, for the rest of the you know for the rest of the world to do something about it so she decides to uh take it upon herself uh it's a very hard and uncomfortable watch especially as a man mm. um because it makes you think uh in which and like the ways in which like you inadvertently for some for a lot of people or maybe even like overtly have contributed to the society that like silences victims of sexual assault and rape Mm. Um, and bolstered uh, your own friends by kind of allowing them to take the blame off of themselves. It's one of those movies that, like, you walk out of it, like, really just kind of... I Like, I remember I had a very, like, real conversation with my friend and his wife after we saw it, and um, we, did, we talked about it for, like, over an hour of just, like... Yeah. Those are, those what, are honestly some of my favorite movies, like... I remember me and Brady, we watched Spotlight together and then literally like Oh my gosh, man. Probably we talked like about two that hours movie. afterwards. We were still talking yeah. about it. Yeah. So if you um if uh the things that I've mentioned at the very beginning for the content warnings, if that stuff is not going to trigger something in you, um, or you know, uh put you in a place where um you feel unsafe or anything like that, I would definitely watch this movie. Hmm. Um and have a conversation like if you're a man and you watch this movie like have a conversation with your you with your like guy friends yeah and like really talk about like are you holding each other accountable like what are mm. we doing to fight back against the culture that has perpetuated this for so long yeah Dang. um well again for the second week in a row mine is um not quite as heavy um <laughs> but i don't know if you guys i was about to refuse to go next because mine is just the <laughs> 
exact opposite of. <laughs> <laughs> so my suggestion is News of the World. Uh, it just came out in 2020. Um, I'm a big Western fan, and it features Tom Hanks, uh, oh, who has yeah, yeah, to yeah. escort this young girl across the Western United States. And um, guys, talk about the childhood performance of the year. Helena wow. Zingle, uh, it like plays the perfect. I don't even know how to describe it. Like just the perfect, like tragic stricken child um, as Tom Hanks sort of like wrestles with his views of the world as they travel together. It's, it is just such a beautiful performance. Like this is for sure. One of those actresses to keep your, uh, your eyes on Um, the movie itself is great. If you like Westerns um, it's a great, it's a great movie uh, in terms of setting and tone, but definitely. I hate to kind of compare it, but like, would you say it's almost kind of like how we, propelled Haley Steinfeld into the spotlight after yes, uh, actually, uh, True Grit. True, True Grit. Yep, it's very similar. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, so just going to be going complete contrast <laughs> um, as all of that. Um, <clears throat> Disney Plus recently added the um, original Muppet show oh, yeah. um, onto, uh, onto Disney Plus. And so I've been watching that the past few days. This is going to be the like most Bible Belt christian thing of me to say but i was in the puppet group of my church and so like i we would do that. a lot of like the muppet <laughs> stuff um and so honestly it's really cute and it's really fun um and surprisingly um if you're looking for like still relevant humor and things that like aren't offensive even though they were from the 70s don't watch the Muppet Show because it definitely <laughs> isn't relevant, and it definitely says things you're like, "Dear Lord!" Like if anyone say, said it, that, I was going to say like like the the angry mob on Twitter, I guess, were mad about like the content warning they gave before the Muppets. Like, oh yeah, because they said like, "Hey, this depicts like de- like this this has depictions of people groups that like are not." Oh yeah, I don't understand why I don't understand why that's a problem. You know, I think we can we can say like, "Hey." These are not acceptable anymore, but like you can still enjoy this show. But just keep that in mind. This is from well, a different era. Like it's also like, hey, this was fifty years ago. Like half the population wasn't like alive at this point. Like right. it's very right. cute though, and it's very like some of the jokes. I'm just like, this is so funny, and it's like not that you couldn't be funny seventy years ago or fifty years ago, but it's like mm-hmm. you know, humor didn't get invented until the 1990s. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've really enjoyed, I've really enjoyed watching it. Um, yeah. but that's basically, the, that's all that's been like super on my radar recently. Cool. Sweet. That was, that was about as varied of a, of a <laughs> yeah. charcuterie board of movies as you can <laughs> yeah. possibly get. Uh, before we wrap up real talk and wrap up the rest of the show, uh, I do just want to give a quick, uh, huge giant screw you to the golden globes. Um, oh, Derek! Hold on, you forgot your you forgot your pedestal. Let me yeah. Let me get up. Let me get up on my soapbox real quick. <laughs> there you uh, go. Okay, yeah. here we go. Oh, it's did you get um, a new one, Derek? I did. It's a uh, <laughs> it's gilded with gold, <laughs> because while I am advocating for marginalized groups of people, I am also uh, completely unaware of my own privilege. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's like a big screw you to the Golden Globes, but also like in in and of itself, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Um, there was a big article, like, right before the Golden Globes that came out by the New York Times, uh, basically talking about that um, since its inception, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association has not had a single black member on its board. Mm. And also uh, that they have accepted bribes from movies in order to get nominated and also to, in order to win awards. You know what? We're starting our own association. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like... We all kind of knew that the Golden Globes were trash because it's like in the grand scheme of like award show season, they don't count towards anything. What? No. No. Yeah. Surprise. I woke up. I woke up this morning and saw an article about the Golden Globes. Was like, oh, that was last night. Yeah. (laughs) I. You know, it's like I actively chose not to watch. It's like I I love Tina Fey and Amy Poehler when they host, uh, but I just was not in the mood to watch the watch those last night. But it's also bad because it's like you look at the Golden Globes and it's like, oh, these are also like as much as they don't count towards anything, <laughs> they are in essence like a a, a barometer for like what's going to happen at the Oscars. I think let's just let's just agree right now that when we top the charts, we're going to use our powers for good and we're going to make our <laughs> own, we're we're going to make our own things. 
We're going to make our own things, our own association where we will definitely not take bribes. My this, Venmo is at this the n- three straight white males will start yeah, our own, our own these federation. Three straight white cisgendered males are going to do everything that we can to make. <laughs> Anyways, let's let's start talking about accepting bribes. <laughs> tell, them, tell them about the Patreon. <laughs> yeah. Well, now that we uh, now that the energy the energy in the room has been elevated to an unbearable heat. Let's bring it down a couple notches. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have feelings. Let's breathe. That's all right. It's just really hot in my room right now. I have to turn the AC off for audio purposes. (laughs) (laughs) That's our show. Thanks for tagging along. We love having you here. Um, You can reach out on Instagram or Facebook, or you can email us at startthepot at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys. So if you have suggestions or just want to give us a verbal high five, please do that. Uh, Do not try to find our Twitter. Please do not even try to find. (laughs) And we've got a Patreon. Woo! Like I've said before, it's weird to ask for money, but podcasting ain't free. If you'd like to contribute to the show um, and have the means to do so, feel free to check out our Patreon link. Um, but don't feel obligated. We love you anyway, and we're probably going to keep doing the show no matter what. Uh-huh. Yeah. Brady, what can I get if I become a patron? Uh, slap on the butt. <laughs> what, what do our listeners get if they become a patron? <laughs> Um, so we've got stickers available. We have bonus episodes. Um, we actually have a few more coming in the oven. So keep an eye out for new content that's going to be posted uh, to our Patreon site. And hey, if you have like 15 seconds, head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Um, and once again, thank you to 11 Acorn Lane for the use of our theme song, Stay Electro Swing Remix. Derek, I want to review. So uh, this is a review from uh, Wavy Corn Ship. Oh, I got it. I'm, I'm a, ready. <laughs> I'm so ready. For a uh, a TV event that came out in 2020. Oh, my gosh. What? Uh, they gave it half a star. And uh, they said, this is my 13th reason why. What <laughs> happened? In t- what, what came out in 2020? Just think. Where was I? I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm going to go with some kind of crossover from the CW DC stuff. <laughs> oh, well, I wish it was that, but it is actually the NBC production of Dr. Seuss's The Grinch musical starring none other than Matthew Morrison as the Grinch. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, you connect the dots. My name is Brady King. My name is Derek Foltz. I'm Colton Hart. My name's Tyler. And if you see Sandra Bullock, give her a hug. And protect her from Steve Irwin. (laughs) 